Adults, will you please turn with me to Acts, the book of Acts. We're going to look in chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. We're actually going to start a little bit before that in Acts chapter 18. And we're going to read together about the early church and its formation and how the gospel is spreading from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said would happen. The church has received the Holy Spirit. The great counselor has come. He came dramatically, filled his people to demonstrate that they are the new temple. He unified them. And now he is sending them out. The church has exploded in growth. Persecution has also come in various forms. Uh, some of that from Jewish officials who are coming against the church. Some of that later comes against by political means from the Roman Empire. And so the people are scattering. What we find in early Acts, fascinating way that God grows the church, is that the people are growing by the people themselves. And what I mean by that is the apostles, the people that you would expect to be the great evangelists and have these giant meetings, and they're the ones that are going to press the gospel forward. Really what happens is, when persecution starts, the people begin to scatter, and the apostles stay in Jerusalem mostly, so that they can, they can continue teaching and sending out letters and, and continue people on the foundation of Scripture, the foundation of what God has said, and keep them aligned in what God is doing. And the people, the regular people, the, the common everybody Christians are leaving their homes and going to all kind of places. And then when the apostles do go to places like Ephesus or like Corinth, they find that there are synagogues there and Jews who love Jesus, but all kinds of people now, even Gentiles who are hearing God's word and becoming Christians and who are building churches. And then the apostles come in and can establish some of those things. Uh, one guy, Paul, his name is originally Saul, and you know his story that he is persecuting the church. He was sent by Jewish officials to rout out the Christians. And so he is violently persecuting the church. He meets Jesus in a dramatic way. And God calls him to be a leader to all of the Gentiles. We're going to pick up a story here in Acts chapter 18 where the Apostle Paul is traveling and he's going different places. And there's other people who come up. In a little bit of background for you, Paul, as he is traveling around, meets uh, some different people. Uh, specifically Priscilla and Aquila, this family who's come from Italy, from Rome, who have been pushed out by some of the official persecution that's happening there. And in this case, it's not super violent. What happened was that the, gov the Roman officials wanted all the Jews to leave Rome. And so they had to leave their home. They link up with Paul. Paul instructs them in the word of God. And then we're going to find some really interesting th things happening in the church. We're going to talk about it together. Here's our goal today. Everybody look at me real quick before we read this. We're going to look at the Word of God, and we're going to open our hearts and say, Lord, instruct us, how do we build your church? How do we follow you as you lay the foundations, as you link people together, as you minister your gospel, as you do the work? Because can you heal anyone's heart? No, that's God's work, but he uses us to do it. So let's see how he's doing that as an example for us. But more than that, let's seek him. Last week, we talked about seeking God and waiting on God. A hallmark of anybody who really loves Jesus is that we wait on God. We don't just jump in with what we think all the time. We trust him that he's the one moving us forward. And so we're going to find the Lord is doing things that 
the church and the officials and the people could not anticipate. Doesn't that sound like him in our lives? You think we're going this way, and the Lord's like, no, 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 it's this way, son. And you're like, oh, yes, okay. oh, that makes sense. And usually 20 years later, that's when you see it. And you're like, oh, that totally made sense then. That's how the Lord tends to do it sometimes. So Acts 18, let's open our hearts to the, to the Lord. We're going to start reading in verse 24. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Bear with me as we read a little chunk of scripture together. Acts 18, 24 says this. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and talked accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the, to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing them by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There, about, there were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that the residents of Asia, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord both Jews and Greeks. Praise the Lord for his word. What a cool story. There's a lot of different things happening here. So we're going to talk together. Don't be compelled. You don't have to answer. It's not school. There's no quiz at the end. Um, other than the Lord, you know, he'll quiz you. No, I'm joking. There's no quiz at the end. Who's this Apollos guy? Who's this Apollos guy? I'm really asking if anybody wants to be bold to answer. Yes. Yeah, and he's a Jewish man, right? So he's a Jewish man, and he's from where? Alexandria. Alexandria. Where is that? Egypt. Egypt. And what, what influence of what kind of people, especially in this time period, do you know? Egypt, obviously, but also the Greeks. From Hellenization after Alexander the Great, before the Roman Empire, there was a lot of Greek influence. So Alexandria became a place of great learning and education, and it was known for some of those things. And so he is an eloquent man. I love how it says this. Competent in the scriptures. Wouldn't, the, wouldn't you like that to be your reputation? <laughs> Somebody says, oh, that, he's competent in the scriptures. Like, that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But there's a problem. What's the problem? 
He's accurately teaching about Jesus, but he only knows John's bad. He hasn't heard the whole story. So based on, get this for a second, based on his understanding of Scripture and hearing stories about Jesus, he has accurately put together an understanding that Jesus is the Christ and that we should follow him, but he doesn't know the whole story yet because the New Testament's not been written. The letters that we get are not there yet. They're, they're only just starting. And so he doesn't know the whole story. And so he's accurately teaching people up to the point of knowledge that he has because God is so faithful that he has demonstrated in the Old Testament all the things concerning himself. And this guy is really smart and he gets it up to what he doesn't know. And so what happens to him? Some people here. Priscilla and Aquila here. And then what do they do? Take him aside and explain the way of God to him more accurately. That's verse 26. And then he wants to go on and do some stuff. And what do they say? No, stay here. We have to train you. We're planting a church. Do they say that? No, they encourage him. They write a letter to the disciples there. And then Apollos goes, and what happens? Verse 28, he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. He greatly helped those who through grace had believed. Wouldn't you love that to be your reputation? Competent in the spirits, competent in the scriptures, greatly helps those who believe. Those are good things. But here's the crazy part. Who trained Apollos? We said it a second ago. Priscilla and Aquila. Who are they? They're tent makers, we find out earlier in Acts. Yes, they were like business partners with Paul. They were Paul's disciples. But if somebody's going to greatly help the church in a new place, wouldn't you expect it to be Peter, James, John, Paul, somebody whose name like, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, like a name like that, that's like, oh, that's a, that's a name that's famous. You expect that to happen, right? Instead, God in his wisdom sends two tent maker business people who are just doing business, who know Paul and have heard from him. And now Paul's not around because he's left to go do other things. And in the moment, they have an opportunity with somebody who knows the truth and he's accurately saying things, but only up to the point of what he actually knows in the story. And they are bold to say to a guy who maybe is smarter than them, hey, let us fill you in. We want to show you even more accurately all the things that God has done so that you can instruct the people. And this is based on the knowledge that they have received from Paul, yes, but Scripture itself, meaning, in this case, the Old Testament. That's crazy. Because, you know, where's the degree program? Like, where's the... Why would God use nobodies? And that's what he does. And then Priscilla and Aquila, they don't get to see all the fruit in this case. Later on, they're going to see some things, and there's other things that will happen. But Priscilla and Aquila, they don't get to see all the people greatly strengthened because Apollos leaves them, and there's no email. They can't FaceTime. They can't meet the church through FaceTime and see. They can't take over some of the Bible studies themselves. They're trusting that God is going to use Apollos, and he's going to do whatever he's going to do for the benefit of all that God is doing in the kingdom. And we see in this little snapshot, because really, 
I mean, it's like 14 verses. And in 14 verses, there's families and people and towns who are helped and assisted and strengthened and built up in the faith because of the faithfulness of regular people. And the experiences that God had brought about from people who didn't even realize that God was using things in their past to, in the current, expand all that he was doing. So I doubt that from Alexandria, Apollos realized that God would use him this way. And yet he shows up and things happen. This blows my mind sometimes. And it blows my mind not because of lack of credentials or anything like that. It blows my mind because over and over and over and over again, God reinstates to us and restates that the way that he builds his church is through the people. Now notice, Aquila and Priscilla are tent makers. They don't make the biggest tent. They don't have the biggest ball of yarn, attraction for people to come see. They don't try to use their gifts and their business to do other things other than accurately understand the scriptures and know Jesus. And that effect is powerful in the world. You know, it is a lie from the devil that for you to be effective as a Christian, you need to have a podcast, a famous name, a business card, or you need to be uh, so great in your business that you have the best tent around. Those are lies. And every one of us has heard them over and over. And when does it happen most? When you feel the Holy Spirit prompt you that you should say something to your neighbor and all of a sudden you feel disqualified. Right? But in 14 verses, the Lord showed us in his word, he uses unqualified people all the time. What, is that, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you? Does that build you up? Does it put you under pressure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe God's got bigger plans for us than we think for ourselves. And a lot of times some of the big plans we think for ourselves might not be his plan. And the reality is that God uses us and he uses opportunities that come up. Priscilla and Aquila just hear this guy talking, and he was bold to try. And, and they are used by God to bring him into greater things, and he is used by God to strengthen the whole church. That's incredible. That's incredible. And it happened, chapter 19, verse 1, that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passes inland because he's moving through all of the different roads that are built there and came to Ephesus. He finds some disciples, and he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, these guys are in a similar situation. What's the deal with these guys? All they know is John's baptism. What John are they talking about? Not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Different John. John the Baptist. So not the Apostle John who's with Jesus. They're kind of like best friends. You know, sometimes like at lunch at work, you sit down with friends, and there's always some people that sit just next to each other because they're like better friends. John's like that with Jesus. He's real close to Jesus all the time. And so he gets a kind of a different perspective in his gospel. But it's not that John. This is John the Baptist. This is the prophet who comes before Jesus and he's talking about repentance and preparing yourself for the Lord who's coming. And in hearing these words, people are following him and repenting. And John is a charismatic guy. And he's got weird clothes and he eats weird diet. And he's, you know, everybody wants to know what's going on with him. And he's kind of from a famous family, but he lives out in the middle of nowhere. 
It's really weird. And then he puts people in the water. Like, this is wild. So he's kind of famous-ish. And then everybody sort of runs away from him. It's like there's a lot that happens with John. But they've heard about John, and so they're hearing about repentance. Now, repentance is essential. It's essential. Why is it essential? Because God said so. And, and I'm telling you that because many times in our world today, if we do hear a podcast, a lot of people want to take out the things that are edgy. You know, they want to take out the big questions that might offend people. And one of those things is to be clear in our understanding that we were against God. We were contrary to him in every way. We were prideful in what we thought. We were rebels. We were traitors. We are under his wrath. Man, throw that out. You're not going to get a great response from people just here. What? what do you mean? The things that we thought were good in our own eyes were abominations to him. But because of the grace of his son that he sent us, he's so kind, he's so good, he put all of the punishment onto Jesus that we might have life. And now how do we respond? We have to repent and say, Lord, forgive me. That means turn away from those things. You know, there are many people in the world that think you can call on the name of Jesus and continue living all of that life that you used to be in. And there, at least we know from these guys that they're hearing about this baptism of repentance, saying, Lord, wash me clean. I want to be close to you. I know that you're holy and different than me. And so on some of these first things, we see that God is not just a God who doesn't care how we live. He cares how we live because he's holy. And he created, created us to be holy like him. And instead, we fell away. So they have a good bit of truth here. But they haven't heard everything about Jesus. On hearing all about Jesus, what do they do? They get baptized right away. Why do they get baptized right away? Because Jesus had said that we are supposed to go forth and, and we are supposed to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When it says in the name of Jesus, it's assuming that we understand Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as well. And so when the people are baptized, they're demonstrating that God has washed them clean, that they believe in him, that they're following him. It is not their salvation. God saves us apart from baptism. But it's essential as our first line of duty, as our first... Uh, our first part of obedience in following Jesus. We have to be baptized. And they get baptized. And then Paul prays for them and lays hands on them. And the Holy Spirit comes on them. And they begin speaking in tongues and prophesying. Which, who, who is that reserved for, it seems, in Acts? Do we see that with a lot of people? Not really. Who do we see that with? Disciples. And now these unknown. They're not degreed people. They didn't know the truth. They didn't walk with Jesus all the time. And yet they're filled with the Holy Spirit like the disciples were. They're speaking in tongues. They're prophesying. In the Old Testament, if you're prophesying, you're a big deal. And God is making nobody's big deals for his kingdom expansion. He's also demonstrating in power that this is him moving forward the kingdom because he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And guess where they are? They're in the ends of the earth as far as Rome is concerned. They're out there on the, on the outer parts of it now. And God is demonstrating with power, these are my people moving forward and they're all my people. Don't let the devil tell you that you are not included in his people, that you are not empowered if you're in him. If you believe in him and you know him, 
If his Holy Spirit is in you, do not allow the devil to tell you that you are second class. Or a nobody, because guess what? God uses nobodies all the time. And then they entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading with them about the kingdom of God. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Here's the interesting thing I want to point out to you. Sometimes we believe that if God's power would just fall on us and we could just do a miracle or see something big, like if there's fire that comes from somewhere or like if I put a fleece out and there's water on the fleece but then not on the ground or like vice versa, like if I could see that, I'll know for sure that God is doing things. We think that a lot. These great things happen. Notice it doesn't say that they go into the synagogue and speak in tongues and prophesy. What does it say that they do? Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. And we see two stories here. One story with Apollos, where he has a lot of knowledge about God, a lot of it's accurate, up to a certain point. And then we see another story, disciples in Ephesus. They know things also up to a certain point. God falls on both of them, and there's a common theme in this. And the common theme is that when God's people are filled with his spirit, what we see happen, yes, powerful things. Amen to that. Praise God. But also what we see happening, both with Apollos and with these people, is reasoning and persuading. Apollos powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing them by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Sometimes we get in our head that if we had some kind of magic weapon, God would really use us. And I'm telling you from the word, he has equipped you. He has equipped you. Why am I bringing all this up? I'm bringing this up because I used to have, a long time ago, uh, a mentor guy, uh, Tony Ling. Everybody know Tony Ling? Some of you do, some of you don't. He was, a, he was recognized as a prophet. What that really means is he was a great teacher, and he heard from God, and he would spoke things. And uh, Tony was a, a wonderful guy. He's, he's with the Lord now. And when Tony was a young man, Tony was a thug. Tony was a thug. And he was a British guy, and he was a, a punk guy, and he was in a motorcycle gang. And there was a blind man who was a blind man who was singing hymns with a, like an accordion kind of thing. Not the big one with the keys, but like the little one, you know, the more nerdy one. That, so this blind man is using one of these instruments. He's singing hymns. And the gang found him in a park in London. And they were throwing rocks at him. And they were messing with the blind man because they were a motorcycle gang, and that's what they did. And the guy is singing hymns. And as he's singing, the Holy Spirit spoke to Tony Ling. And Tony Ling found himself paralyzed by the Spirit. And he listened to the words and got radically saved and fought off his biker friends to protect the blind man. <laughs> and then turned around, a thug, motorcycle, jacket, bleeding, where do I go to learn about Jesus? Because he got radically saved in a park from a blind man singing hymns. If God can do that, and it's so powerful, and use a nobody, wow. Because many of us have heard Tony. Many of us have been blessed by the things he said. You know, Tony preached on continents and to many people, and there's thousands of people who are blessed by what Tony did, like an Apollos. One of those guys, his name was Norolf. Norolf was a leader that we knew in, in 
uh, in Norway, and Norolf was training to be a pastor when he was a young man and struggled to speak English, really struggling. And so he found himself working with Tony Ling and others, and he was in England, and he went, this was in the 80s, and there were punk rockers everywhere with the big spiky hair in the 80s, and it was a big deal, like neon things. Um, if you're under the age of 15, don't worry about it. Um, so he went down, same kind of area where Tony Ling got saved, and a group of punk rockers comes up, and he and a buddy start preaching the gospel to them. And they're preaching, and they're telling them about Jesus. And these guys, much like the motorcycle gang, are throwing rocks because that's what you do, I guess. And so they're throwing rocks. Finally, the, the Norwegian guy, Norolf, can't speak English very well. And so he stands up, and he goes, enough. And he walks over to the leader with this hair, and he puts his hand on his head, and he just starts speaking in tongues to him. And the guy starts weeping uncontrollably. And he's shaking. Like, he goes, what are you doing to me, man? What are you doing to me, man? Like that. And the gang scatters because they're terrified because they don't know what to do. And so he stops praying because he can't speak English. So he's just, he's just ministering to this guy however he can. And the guy's like, what did you do to me? What did you do? And ran away. God shows up. He breaks down languages. He breaks down things. He does great things. He does great things. And the key for us is, what do we do after we see God do great things? What do, we see, what do we do when we see an opportunity that comes? Maybe it's an opportunity with gangs and rocks and things like that. Maybe it's an opportunity just with your neighbor by the trash cans because you happen to walk down at the same time. Maybe it's an opportunity with the friend at work. Maybe it's your cousin that calls you out of the blue. Who knows? But when an opportunity comes, sometimes we hear stories like Tony Ling's. We hear stories like Norolf Askeland and these guys. And we say, Lord, unless you do something powerful like that, I don't think you're doing anything. But the record we have in Scripture is that that does happen. And God might do that. And you can have faith for it. Praise God. Wouldn't that be awesome? But the reality is they're reasoning by the Scriptures. They're persuading people. They're speaking out boldly about the kingdom of God. And all the powerful things that we look for, the flashes of lightning or whatever you want it to be, really the way God builds his church is by opening your mouth and talking about Jesus. And he equips us with a weapon more powerful than emotion. Because in both of those stories, great emotions happen, and that's good. But more powerful is his word that he instills in our heart that we can speak clearly about who Jesus is. And things like repentance and his holiness and lordship, they come up real fast. And sometimes for us, they come up real slow. And so I'm saying that to us to encourage us. How does God build his church? Will he use you with powerful things? Yeah, maybe. But more what I would expect is he's going to give you an opportunity to, to speak boldly and clearly about who Jesus is. And as you do that, maybe some of those other things show up. I had a guy, here's why I know this. I had a guy one time, uh, when I was in the army, I was training with him, and he was a brute of a man. And this guy was, he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Conan. Like, he was just, if you gave him a sword, like, he could be a barbarian kind of guy. He was just a huge football guy, and he was just massive. And we were on a march together one day. And he tripped and fell and got hurt really bad and like 
twisted his ankle really bad, something like that, I can't remember. Um, I seem to remember it was his knee. Fell on his knee, and his knee was huge, and it was big, I remember now. And so um, this guy, I, we came back to the barracks, and he's you know hobbling around, and we got him some crutches and stuff, and um, he's in danger because we were doing a big evaluation, he had to finish that evaluation, and now he's hurt. And um, he was complaining to me about it, and he was on the bunk next to me. And I said, hey man, I said, listen, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. Can I pray for you? The Lord's the healer. Perhaps he'll heal your knee. I believe he can do it. What do you think? And he goes, yeah, whatever, man. You know, and I, so, I, so I said, I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder and I'm going to pray for you that the Lord will heal you. He goes, okay. And so I prayed for him. I said, Lord, will you heal my friend, heal his knee so that he can finish this thing in Jesus' name. Amen. He goes, all right. So day goes on. Um, things happen, and you know, we go to bed that night, come, wake up the next morning. Next morning, I wake up, and he's standing next to my bed, like this. And he goes, dude, he goes, my knee's fine. And I was like, what? He goes, he goes what did you do? And I was like, buddy, I, pr- I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord did it. He goes, what, what, it's good, it's fine now, it's good. And I was like, awesome. He goes, okay. Okay, I just thought I wanted you to know. And he goes and gets dressed. Next day, wake up, and here he is again. Dude, I got to talk to you. I said, okay. He goes, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody. I said, okay. He goes, um, I was abused as a child. My dad beat my mom, beat me. Not a day passes where I don't think about murdering my dad. Every day. Yeah. Okay, he goes, if God can heal my knee, do you think he can heal my heart? (laughs) Wow, yes, yes, yes. And what do we say? Let me tell you the gospel. You need to know Jesus. He's our healer, but you need to understand you're far from him. And he can heal you not because you're good enough, but because he's good enough. Not because you did the right things, but he did the right things. And I'm telling you this story because all of us want out. Listen, in my whole life, I've been a pastor 15 years. I've been on continents. I've done stuff, whatever. Praise God. I'm just like you. I'm not a hero. Jesus is the hero. But all of us want this moment where you pray like that and it happens, right? So ready? Pray, because God does it. You pray. God will do it. He's the one. I didn't heal the guy. I said in the name of Jesus, God healed him. You can heal them too because Jesus does it, not us. Having said that, the most important part, I'm telling you this from Acts chapter 19, are the words that follow. And if the words that follow are, oh man, I'm sorry to hear that about your feeling those feelings. You know, Jesus is, is nice. So if you think about him and do what he says, you're going to be okay. It's, we've lost, we've lost. Instead, we have to preach the whole gospel We have to come to the word of God that's enduring. We have to instill this in people. And most of the time in my life, what I found is, most of the time, it's like 19.8. Let's read it. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, entered the synagogues, and for three months, he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews 
and Greeks. What usually happens is we are faithful to the word of God. And the Lord sometimes does great things and uses us with power. And I want you to be excited about that, have faith for it. But more than that, how does God build his church? Through the word of God. And the word of God takes time. And there's opposition. And there's things that happen. And then in our life, what happens is opposition occurs. And the neighbor's holding the trash can. And he goes, yeah, that's dumb. And walks away. And you're like, oh, Lord, why won't you just, I want to, let me heal somebody. It'll be fine. And maybe, but more than that, it's the word of God that he uses that endures. Because people forget the healing after a while. You know, we, we could have the greatest miracle right now ever. And somebody raised from the dead, and a year from now, it won't be news anymore. But the word will remain. And so what do we need to do? What does it look like for us to be faithful? If we seek after the emotion, or we seek after the, the excitement of the things, instead of seeking after Jesus, we're going to lose. If we seek after Jesus and we're clear to speak his word, Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added. And then we can see the healings and all the great things because they happen. Praise God. But our focus is on him, the king of glory. It's not on getting the thing we want. And I'm saying this to us because how do we build? How does our church build? What do we need to know? We need to know that Jesus Christ is sovereign over every circumstance. He's sovereign over nobodies. He's sovereign over the greatest teachers. He's sovereign over education. He's sovereign over miracles. He's sovereign over uh, the way that the words get spoken and who knows what. He's sovereign over our lives. He's sovereign over timing. He's sovereign over people's response. He is sovereign. And if he's sovereign and we see this and he's in charge of all these things and he's the Lord and there's no questioning him, then what do we need to be? We need to be bold to speak the truth and tell people about Jesus and not just let our faith rest on, I'll know I'm doing good if God does a miracle. And instead, let our faith rest on, I know the word and I'm pursuing him, and then he will show up. When he shows up, all bets are off. It's a different way of going, isn't it? So what do we need to do? We need to be a people who will open our mouths. Today, this sermon is not about measuring yourself against anybody else other than Jesus. Because he's our, the author perfect of our faith. We set our eyes on him. If you know that you're lacking in the word, build yourself up. Read the word. If it's been weeks since you've been in the Bible, get in the Bible again. You will find life. If you are actively in the Bible and built up, know this. The Lord said he will give you words if you don't know what to say. So when you open your mouth to a friend, a neighbor, maybe you're putting a relationship on the line. Maybe it's somebody who says, I have this big sin, what do I do? And you got to tell them you're a sinner. You're under the wrath of God. But his sacrifice was enough. If you believe in him, if you believe in his resurrection, you'll find life. Maybe that's a big thing you got to say. Open your mouth and say it. Know that he's equipped you. Know that he is good. Know that he is, he is moving. He's sovereign over all things. He won't leave you hanging. He's good. Will you stand? I'm going to pray for you. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, that as we come to you, we know, Lord, you do use powerful and emotional means sometimes. 
But Lord, we see your word and the power of what you've said and what you've done. And so, Lord, we look to you, God. You're our healer. You're our source. You are our life. Lord, fill us with yourself that we can be your witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, I confess to you that sometimes it feels like our driveway is the end of the earth. Fill us, Lord, with passion for you. Fill us, Lord, with power. We want to see your miracles. Lord, we want to see people healed. We want to see all the things that you do. But, Lord, we also want to see our contribution last. And, Lord, it is our heart's desire to see everyone know about you. And so, Lord, use us. Lord, help us to open our mouth. Help us to be bold for you. Lord, bless the work of our hands that we might see you in all that we do. And so, Lord, we look to you in everything. Thank you, Lord, that you are, you are good and that you are with us. May you today know the call of the Father. May you know the great, glorious rule of the Son who is sovereign over all things. And may you know the power of the Holy Spirit who is leading you and that, that our God will never leave you nor forsake you because he has called you to a great calling. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll hopefully see you on Wednesday night. Bless you all.